today I'm going to give you just a long introduction. The entire message today is going to be introducing what I'm going to preach for the next two weeks. And as we get started, I, w- I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say that you've been saved for longer, or in, let's, let's put it this way, in church for longer than five years, raise your hand. All right, longer than 10, longer than 20, longer than 30. Wow, that's still, I would say, about a half or a half, a, longer than 40 or 50 years, okay. So I was like, I don't want to tell my age, all right. Long time, I can say I am, I am 37 years old and I've been in church since I was born. I've been in church my whole life. And the reason why I'm saying that is for, I'm not saying, well, how long have you been saved? And I know that's, that's what matters most. And I'm saying, how long have I been in church? Because I want to expose to you, just from the experience of walking through the door of this building and being around this, hearing the, the song sung on the screen, and a lot of us don't even have to think about what we do. We, we've done this thing. I, I almost want to say that we've nailed the concept of, of doing church. I'm serious. I mean, we, we know the lingo to say. Uh, I, I remember new people, when they opened up the songbook, how we used to do it, and they'd follow along, and they'd get lost because they don't understand. We do this verse and jump down here, and then we do the reprise and all this stuff. People get lost for that. Then, then, then for new people that come in, that they walk out of there and say, well, how did they end the service? Well, some dude took a bath in front of everybody, but the guy was scared to do it, so the other guy had to make him take a bath, and... You know, and then they, these crazy people, they had snack time in church, but they only gave us this much juice, and the entire snack was a wafer that big, and just, you know, it's just all new to them. They just, but you know, not us, not us. I mean, we, we raise our hand five years, ten years, most of us, 20, 30, 40 years. It, this is, boy, we know it. Yeah, name a song. Boy, I can stand up. I don't, I don't even have to look up there or open a hymn book. Man, I know that song. So that's awesome. It is awesome. We are blessed. But there's a danger that comes with that. I want you to know there's a danger that comes with this. Because we get so comfortable with things that should have significant meaning to us. But we've done it so much that it's just every day. We sing songs over and over again, but how often do you stop and think about the meaning of these words? How often do you stop to think about, wow, wow man, that's powerful. I, I, I've been with people before and said, have you ever done this? You say, have you ever stopped to listen to the words of that song? Man alive, how, how sad is that that we even have to say those words? Have you ever stopped to listen? We, we should know what we're singing If I did that to my wife and I wrote her a a love poem and then she came back later and said, oh, it was so sweet that you said that. I said, I said, what? You know, it was like, when did I say that? It was part of your poem. Oh, I just rehearsed that. She'd be like, oh, you didn't mean any of it? It's, It's like buying a Hallmark card and you have no idea what it says. But sometimes people will take that Hallmark card and they'll open it up and they'll underline those certain words. You do mean the world to me. I do love you. I Whatever, because there's, there's something about loving with our minds. There's something that there's, there's more to it than just going through the motions of it. And, and you, you read and you already know where I'm going with this. I think we have, for a lot of us, after time, we, we get, have a very shallow relationship with God. But we have a very professional relationship church-going resume. How do you change that? It's 
easy to get part of ministries for years and years, but you lose focus of why you do the ministry. You're more upset about if you had a big class or whether you enjoyed the lesson or not or what, if we started it on time. We can pray and just roll into rehearsed words like a speech. I'm telling you, I know this because, hey, I've done it for a long time. Tony, would you mind praying? Sure, dear Heavenly Father. And afterwards, somebody could turn around and say, what did you say? I I could tell you again because I've rehearsed it. I've done it so many times, and some people are really eloquent with it. Our Father, you know, we come to seech thee this morning. And, you know, they're, they're just really good at it. But I've wondered how much God's sitting there going, you don't mean that at all. I, I, hear, I hear 500 people singing this morning, but God says, is that coming from your lips or from your heart? When it comes to my love for God, I want it to be real. I want it to be alive. I want it to be obvious in my life. I want it to be authentic. I, 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 I want it to be my reputation. I want my kids to be able to say, hey, I know, I know my dad wasn't perfect and my, my dad... Back home, he might have got mad or he did this or that. But the one thing I can tell you about my dad, I don't question. And I say without apologies, I know that my dad loved God. I want that to be said of me. But I tell you, the only way that that's ever going to be true is when it comes from our hearts. The problem is, we put a lot of emphasis emphasis on, on what we do. The things that people can see. Like going to church or doing ministries, it's, it, it's, the, it's the outward. People will turn around and say to you and say, man, that guy never misses. That guy is this, that guy is that. That guy knows his Bible. That guy, you know, we, we say these things and so automatically we'll even label those people as good Christians. You, you know who would have been labeled as those good Christians or good leaders would have been the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Because boy, they had it all and everybody, when they'd speak up, everybody would be like, shh. Let's listen, let's listen. They, they, they have it all together. And the Bible talked about how they come eloquently with their outward garb. And they, they looked, they had it, they had it all together. And everybody almost worshipped them because of their appearance and their knowledge. But Jesus said, you know, they, they say it with their lips, but their heart is so far from me. That's when Jesus, when a, one of these men that was this religious leader that had the good works and they had... The, the outward and the, the, the do-gooding reputation and everything. And then Jesus said to that man when he confronted him and said, So you tell me what's the greatest commandment. Jesus said, I'd be happy to. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Other places in the gospel, it even takes it a step further and says, with all your strength or with all thy might, with your energy, with your efforts, the things that you do in your life. See, we put all the emphasis on the wrong things. But Jesus said it's not only the first, but it's the great commandment. He said it's not just the outward. He said, I'm looking for the inward. He said it's got to be the priority, which is why he said it's got to be first. Above all, it comes before everything. It's greater than everything. Jesus was saying like this. Your relationship with God is everything. It is the greatest thing. It's got to be the first thing. And if it is not, everything that follows will never, ever work right in your life. So I'm here to say, and I'm going to just be honest with you this morning, because we've got to be real, and we've got to be honest. 
We've got to be willing to bend our knee and fall at an altar and say, God, I'm sorry. We've got to be willing to be pushed out of our religious comfort zones and allow God to shake our hearts, convict our spirits, and break us down to realize that God said this for a reason, that a lot of Christians that are failing, failing, failing in their lives, in their marriages, in their ministries, in their parenting is because they have everything going on, but they have left out the most important parts. And that is their relationship with God. You know why? Because a lot of times we're so busy doing all those things that we don't have time for a relationship with God. We're so busy showing up and doing. We're so busy putting up and, 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 and doing all the stuff that we don't have time to worship the one that told us to do those things. You say, man, I, I don't want to hear that. I, I promise you, none of us want to. I, I, I honestly believe that this is so important. This is so vital. That if we learn to love God the way that he told us to love him, that we'd have less divorces in church. We'd have more people showing up because they wanted to, not because they had to. We, we would never have to have Brother Greg stand up there and says, let's all really sing out on this. When you realize the words that you're singing and the words that are coming out of your mouth and you're worshiping God with your mind and you're processing what you're saying and who you're saying them to, nobody will ever have to say, hey church, do you really love God? Let's hear it out. Man, we're going to say it because it's on our hearts and minds. It should not have to be prompted. It should not have to be where somebody has to get up and do it as a pep rally. It should be just an explosion of our hearts because it is real to us. See, God desires us to love him because he does not want us to miss out on all that that relationship has for us. Not just love him, but he said, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your might. God desires a sold out, passionate, dedicated, concentrated, dedicated love towards him. Here's the problem. I can say that this morning. And a church like this is all going to say, amen. Does God want us to love him? Amen. Does God want us to follow him that way? Praise God. Man, that's right. Amen. We, we, man, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But what if God was to turn around and say, all right, Pastor Tony, read the verse. And I get up here and I'm following God. And God says, we're going to love God with all our heart, soul. And this is the greatest commandment. And the whole church says, amen. And then God starts walking through the Holy Spirit. He's just walking down through there and says, this, did you mean that? I, I want to know if I love you with all my mind, all your mind, and all your heart, with all your soul, then why'd your wife have to make you get up this morning? God comes over here and says, you, you love me with all your strength and everything that you do, and yet you work that job and get 40 hours a week, and yet the local Starbucks gets more money than I do. Your cable bill is paid more often than your tithe is. So you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. But when things fall apart, you'll be the first one at the altar saying, oh God, I, my son just told me to shut up for the first time and I feel like I'm losing everything. And God sits down and says, I thought, I told you that it's got to be first. Nothing is going to work if I'm not number one. And why does it that things have to fall apart before we actually look up and say, all right, God, you've got my attention. This goes so deep and, and, I, and I know you're going to sit there and say, wow, this is so simple. I think of Abraham. I'm trying to think of people in the Bible that got this. And God said, Abraham says, you know, my life is yours. And Lord, whatever you want. And God says, all right, let, let's do a little test. You love your son and I gave your son to you. Will you give him back to me? 
three days he's walked with his son to a mountain because he knows that he's going to have to lay his son upon an altar. You know what he was telling God by doing that? God, you are first. Above my son, you are first. Above the love in my life, God, you are coming first. I, I think of Paul that wrote in Philippians 1.20. He said that Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by my life or by my death. He said, God, I love you with all of my soul. I'm willing to lay it down. I'm willing to die. God, if you can reach more people through my death than through my life, then Lord, take my life right now. Could you say that? Because that, that's, that's intense. That, that's, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I could say that I'm there in my life right now. Because I'm usually, Lord, you can have it all until it hurts or becomes uncomfortable. Lord, I, until I get my toes stepped on or until it's going to cost me something. By my life or by my death. I know what it means to love something. And I know a lot of you right here, we throw that word love around a lot. Say, man, I love, oh, I can't wait. I've only got five days until vacation. I love going on vacation. Or man, the Super Bowl, my favorite team, I love to watch this. I, I love going out. I love, I love Christmas time. I love, and we have all these loves in our life. But I'll tell you, that's not the love that God was talking about. You see, I, I, I know love when I go into a hospital room and there's a, there's a husband and a wife. And I, I think of Jane Caminiti that sat by her husband through thick and thin, and no matter when I went up to the hospital and all those months that he was in there, I knew that I could find her in a waiting room. I knew I could find her next to a hospital bed. You know why? Because it was nobody had to call Jan. Your husband's in the hospital. He's very ill. I know. I, I'm getting to it. I, I just been, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to beat this level, and I'll be right there. You know, it, it was it was where are you at? So you see, nobody had to tell her she was there because she loved her husband and her strength and her mind and her focus and her attention was on him because it was true in her life. It wasn't prompted. It wasn't guilt. It wasn't an obligation. It was real. And then it shifted over to us as Christians and God says, is it real? When your affections are towards something, it shows in your life. I'm not talking about obligation. I'm talking about the affections of your heart, your desires. When you truly love, it changes things. It was in 1995. I was attending a college, Pensacola, Florida. It was after a sporting event that a group of my guy friends met a group of girls. And we hung out that night and I... I I, I couldn't even tell you everybody that was in the group to this day. I just remember going up to this, this, and they said, you want to go hang out? We went up to a table, and they had a bunch of games around it, and we pulled out the games, and we stayed up for really late, and we were playing, and we were laughing, and we had a great time. And I remember there being one girl in the midst of it that I kind of caught my eye, and, and it was the, the dude with hair on it is me. Stud with hair, stud without hair, still studly. It's, it's just. So I, I, I met this girl, and this is actually within days of, of that happening. And uh, I didn't know her from nobody. 
To be honest, I, I, I became aware of her, but I didn't know her. When I walked out of there, I don't even think that I could tell you, you know, any, anything about her other than that I thought she was really cute and I wanted to talk to her again. Remember, we, we were going to uh, um, the mall the next day, me and my buddies, and we had set up with these girls to go back and hang out again at the sports center, and I just remember setting that up, and I, I told the guys, I said, you know, if I get the opportunity tonight, I'm going to talk to that girl. And I remember being really nervous and really worked up, and I was, you know, I, I wanted to make a good impression, and I didn't even know for sure if she was going to go there, but I just knew that she was part of that group of girls that we invited to hang out with us again. After that, I, I did have, I, I built up the courage to, to ask her if she wanted to go out, and, and uh, I, I remember us beginning to meet to be able to sit together on Sundays, and we began to talk about our classes that we had, and, and the, the fact that I was struggling with English, and I had all this things that I was learning about her family and the, her obsession with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, she was a cheesehead, and I didn't even know what a cheesehead was. I learned her likes and her dislikes, but I'll tell you, the more I got to know her, the more things began to change. My thinking was different. She was more than a girl that I went to college with. She was one, somebody that I wanted to see all the time. I did not want to be without her. She consumed my mind. She consumed my thinking. Every thought that I had wrapped around her, including the fact that I was planning out my following semester, I said, don't sign up for classes. Let's get our list of classes. And we sat down and we tried to line up which classes we could go together. It was all cool until our speech class lined up and we went to speech together. And I don't know if you've ever been through college speech. They throw out random things, and I had to get up and do this speech, but she said you have to do it with voices and in character, and the character was a mouse. And I had this girl that I'm really fond of, and I like her a lot, and I'm up there going, you know, and Jeff's doing this. And I'm like, I look like an idiot. I need to pass. I need to impress her. I need to pass. And so I, I anyways, it was really bad. I put... I put effort, I put my strength and my focus into the relationship because I loved her. I didn't know I loved her at the time because I didn't understand love. Me and Jenny began to match up our schedule to go to lunch every day. I worked out my dinner break at, at work so that I could be with her. I, I would plan it where I, if I got off at this time and I parked close enough to the front, I could get over there and I could go into the, the, the dining hall and I could get back out. I, could I had it all worked out. I said, man, you had to do that? No, you don't understand. I wanted to do that. If you would have been next to the time clock, me getting back, you probably would have been ran over because I was on a tight schedule and I needed my job, but I wanted to be with her. My heart began to change. See, most nights, even when I got back, I had homework to do, but I was more focused on being able to call her. Because I wanted to hear from her. I, and you say, why did you do that when you had classes and you had lunch and you had dinner? Because that was not enough. Not because I had to. I'm telling you this because I wanted to. She did the same for me. And I was, I was there to take computer science classes. But my first focus, I'll be honest, was on Jenny. I could not wait for the letters to come, and we would light, write what we called PH, and it was this on-campus mail, and I did something that was weird. When I should have been studying my homework, I was over here studying that letter that she wrote me. And you guys know how it is. I'm looking for where she would, like, 
dot her eyes with a horror, and I'd be like, bingo, baby. I mean, she is in, and I'm underlining and looking for what she would underline in her letters of I loved being with you today, and everything mattered. I'm telling you, I didn't study it. I didn't skim, and I was like, okay, I got that out of the way. I feel better about that I read that letter tonight. Oh, I can go to bed without feeling guilty tonight. I did what I was supposed to do. I'd read it, and I'd read it again, and I'd read it again. And you know what happened is our hearts changed. Our affections towards one another became obvious because she went from your friend Jenny, signed Jenny, to love Jenny, to your future wife, Jen. It was indescribable the, the day that I called my, my mom and I was in, in our dorm room and I remember being down on the floor with the phone up to my ear and, and I remember saying the words to my mom. I said, Mom, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I have found the girl that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. This picture was taken on our first off-campus date when she met my parents and we went out That summer, we got engaged, but before we got engaged, we broke up, which a lot of couples do that. And uh, it was a series of things that went by, and we both wanted to make sure that this is what God wanted, and we both were toying with our emotions and our hearts. But I remember every day that she was not my girlfriend, it tore me apart. When there was a separation in our relationship, it bothered me, Okay. When there was a separation in my relationship with the one that I loved, it bothered me. It should bother you when things are not right in your relationship. And so you know what I did? I I, I remember after three weeks, I was in my dorm room, and I remember kneeling down on a bunk bed, and I locked the door, and I cried on my bed, and it was one of the first times that I remember that I fasted and genuinely prayed for something that meant everything to me. And I do believe that that day in that dorm room on my knees, that is one of the reasons that I'm standing in this pulpit today, and you say, how is that? Because I said the words to God. If you let me have her back, I will give you the rest of my life and I will do whatever you tell me to do. And God brought us back together. And in that summer, we got engaged. And one year after that, we were married. Yes, that's Taco Bell in the background. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. It's the only picture I had saved on my computer, and I had to send it to Richard. So, All right, here's the story. <laughs> uh, me and my buddies were cheap, and we loved to hang out, and our hangout was Taco Bell. And so when we were dating, I said, here's the requirements to date me. You have to like my friends, and you have to be willing to hang out at Taco Bell. And that became like a joke. So all through the thing, and she told her mom when we met, she says, well, you know, what are her standards, his standards, you know? spiritual I'm a, this spiritual guy well I gotta like Taco Bell <laughs> so her mom lined it up with our photographer on her way from the church to the reception to stop at Taco Bell and we had a photo shoot instead of in front of Taco Bell I know it's unique but it was cool it's a conversation piece so that that actually happened you say what what is the point you you, you brought us here on a Sunday morning to talk about a relationship that you have with your wife 
the more I got to know her, the more I loved her. The more I loved her, the greater my desire was to please her. The greater the desire I had to be with her and the greater desire that I had to meet her needs. No one had to prompt me or convince me to pay attention to her, to love her, to talk about her, to plan a date or to give to her. No one had to remind me that I needed to call her. These things came natural to me because of the way that I loved her. I loved her with all of my heart, and I wanted to marry her. I, I literally said I want to live the rest of my life with her. Nobody had to come up to me and say, hey, you know what? You're not going to be able to flirt with other girls anymore. You're going to have to tell all these girls that chase you all the time, all the time, that they can't. I had to get locks on my door. I had to get private. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't matter anymore because it wasn't that there was this, oh, man, I can't, I can't, I can't, and you don't do this and don't do that. It was a matter of my affections were for her and her affections were for me. And that that I had when it was focused on this, I didn't battle so much with this because I had it directed to this. But a lot of people, when you're like this and you've got your foot on both sides, yes, you're going to fail because you don't understand what it means to love him in the right way. And people struggle because they've got one foot in the world and one foot in the church and one foot in their Bible and one foot in the carnality mind that we have and we wonder why we struggle because God said, I am a jealous God and I will not share you with anybody and I want you to be for me and I died for you and I will be your God and I want you to be my people and I will not put up with anything getting in the way of my relationship with you. I told her dad that I wanted to marry her and I told him, I said, I will do whatever it takes for the rest of my life to take care of her. And you know what her dad said? Her dad said, Tony, I believe you mean that with all of your heart. The Bible says that all what I said makes sense. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You invest in what you love. You spend time with what you love. You sacrifice for what you love. You think about the things that you care about. There was thought that went into everything that I did. You know, you talk about love with all of your mind. You see, with whether the class that I attended to or the schedule that I had for work or what I was doing on the weekend or my money that I had or the date that I was planning or the gift that I wanted or the ring that I had picked out for her or all those things, you turn around and you say, what happened? It all was processed through my mind and my attention of the love that I had for her affected the way that I thought. It changed things in my thinking. I remember that I planned to marry her and I had to buy a ring and I wanted to buy a ring. And I remember getting a job in the evenings and I worked construction in the morning and I worked construction in the evening. And me and my brother had a construction job that we have and we were self-contractors. And I remember working on this house that nobody lived in and we would go there and set up lights on the side of this house and we would work till 11, 12 o'clock at night and you would sit there and say, that is crazy. Who would do that? Were you, were you that whipped? Were you that consumed? Were you that 
drunk with love and intoxicated with this love and ravished with their love the way that the Bible puts it, that you were willing to do that? And I'd say, yes. I never was up there serving and doing all those things where somebody would come up and say, oh man, you have to do that. You're going you're gonna to work all these hours and you're, you have to do this. Let me tell you, on my heart and mind, all that I'm doing and I'm putting and I'm building and I'm cutting and I'm doing all that stuff, I could not wait till the next day to do it again. Because on my mind, what I was thinking about was the product of what I was getting, the fact that I was going to get on a knee and ask her to be my wife for the rest of my life. And that brought joy to my life. Joy. Authentic, real joy. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. I know that we said this already, but you turn around and say, how, how does this look? Here's the thing. When we first engage in the relationship, it's great. There's a reason that I asked you how many have been saved for 20, 40, 50 years, whatever it is, and we've been in church all those years. You know what happens? That newness and that excitement wears off. And for that love that we have for God, a lot of us would look back and say, I remember when I was first saved, and I couldn't stop talking about it. I couldn't stop telling people about it. But it was on my heart. It was in my, it was on my lips, and I, I would tell people everywhere that it went. And everything was new, and everything was exciting. We'd stand up, and, and we would sing the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the song that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And those words are just like, Wow. Man, that was me. I once was lost, but now I'm found and I'm standing in church and I'm singing those words. And the words meant something. And then what happens, just like in a lot of our relationships, we just, you know, we're just sitting there looking and turn around and say, man, I hope, I hope, man, he's, it's almost noon and he's still preaching. What point was he on? And man, I hope, I hope, we, man, I know if we get there 10 after, it's, that restaurant's going to be packed and we do our ministries, and we're, we're going through the motions of that, and we're, you know, we show up, and we're doing this, and like, man, are we going to get out of here, and oh, I, 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 and we're just frustrated with it. It's almost like we don't even want to learn a new song. I know these words. I'm comfortable. Here, don't push me out of my comfort zone. You know, you know one of the reasons why I like singing new songs in the church, because now you have to think about what you're saying. You have to get out of your rut, your routine. You have to break that mold of what we're so used to. We have to break that mold. I told my kids the other day, they were praying. And I said, I, I, I said guys, before you pray, I want you to know this. You can't say this, you can't say this, and then say this. Because we get into robot mode and we just repeat words. I said, why are you saying all this? It's just like in our marriages. We get to the point where we don't put effort into it anymore. We get comfortable, we get complacent, and everything falls apart. I, I feel like that is what's happening into the church today. The Bible says that things will get to that point. He said, I wish you were hot or cold. But he said, you just have gotten comfortable. Nothing's excited. We don't read our Bibles, honestly, because we just don't have a desire to. That, that we, 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 don't, we, we make up every excuse not to go to church. Man, we can find it. People could look out the window and, and all of a sudden they see a snowflake and I'm staying home. 
But boy, they, they could look out the window and see a blizzard on Monday morning for work and they're out there dusting the car off. And, I, and I'm not saying, and I know that there's got to be common sense and reasoning, but I tell you, I question, where is our hearts? And let, let me just say, when the Bible says that, that where your heart is, there will be your treasure. And I do look at that. I look at my own heart and God says to me and says, what do you invest your time and money in? For us to sit there and say, we love God in this way. And you turn around and look at what you invest your money in. And God says that you give to everything. Everything. But I get put on the back burner. Yeah, we see the day approaching. And we know that things are getting bad. And we know that things are tough. But we still invest in everything. But what's most important. And I'd have to tell you this. That it simply comes down to what we love. And I know I've said a lot of things. And you're saying, where, what, what are you, where are you going with this? I'm going to ask Mark to come at this time. and We're going to pray in just a minute. No matter how long you've been saved, I want you to know that we, we, we need to really, really get serious with our relationship with God because it's hurting the attack that the devil is having on our lives. Let me tell you right now that we are under attack more than we've ever, ever been. The Bible says if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Guys, do you not just see the tsunami of sin that is invading our churches, that's invading our homes? In one week, the Grammys get out there and they put out 20 couples of gay marriages and lesbian marriages on the Grammys, public television, in front of everybody. In the same week, Coca-Cola put out and broke the record of having the first gay couple. And they put on Coca-Cola had the first gay couple ever to sit there and have hands in hand on a Coca-Cola commercial during the Super Bowl. In the same week, Disney comes out. In the same week, Disney came out and introduced their first lesbian couple on a kid's TV show. In the same week, Google comes out and says about the Olympics, about the equality, and puts out their banner being the rainbow. You say, why are you saying this? Because Satan is pushing, 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 pushing the church. Satan is driving over us, and he's running over us, and he's pushing us back, and you turn around and say, I feel so defeated. And God says, it's not about what you do. It's not about how much you go. It's not about what you know. It is about your heart and your relationship with God. I know that Fellowship Baptist Church will not be able to stand against the devil until we get to the point where we're willing, we're willing to have what's first according to God. Now let me show you how this happens. So how? Because I want to love God this way. And I want to come to him with all of my heart, but How? And the Bible says there is no greater love than this. 1 John 4, 19. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. You see, the thing is, if you're trying to make it where it's about what you do, you're wrong. My love for him is a result of my response to what he did for me. I thought about this, and this is going to blow your mind. For where your heart is, 
to find your treasure. Have you ever thought that maybe God was doing that because he was doing it as a testimony about you? And God said that, that my heart is in you because you are my treasure, and that blows me away. I don't get that. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that, that I am the most important thing that matters to God. And God said the reason that I became flesh and the reason that I came to this earth and the reason that I died, the reason that I took on the cross, the reason why I was scourged and wore the crown of thorns is because I love you that much. I matter to God. My affection is for him because his affection was on me so strong, so real, so vivid, so blatantly in my face that I respond to God because his love is so real. And I'm telling you as a church, we've got to get to the point where we're willing to get out of our comfort zone. We're willing to sing from our hearts. The words that come out of our lips is praise to him and not repeated words. We're willing to kneel down in an altar and say, God, I'm sorry for going through the motions. I'm sorry for just attending church. I'm sorry for not being real.